Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, Connecting Vets listeners. This is Caitlin Kenny, a producer with ConnectingVets.com. For Women's History Month, I spoke with Lori Manning, Director of Government Relations with the Service Women's Action Network and a retired Navy captain, about 11 military women who made history. So, Lori, your first woman, who is she? Her name is Margaret Corbin, and she was not on active duty the way we think of active duty today. She fought in the American Revolution. Uh, So uh, we weren't conscripting women back back then, or men either, for that matter. They were all volunteers. And she was also the first woman ever awarded a military pension by Congress for wounds occurred in military service during battle. And uh, the battle she was in was the Battle of Fort Washington. And what happened is she accompanied her husband to camp. He was a cannoneer. And when he was mortally wounded, she took over his cannon. And that's how she was wounded, although she survived. So that that's certainly combat. Right. I, I feel like women's history in combat has been with American history since the very beginning. Yeah, um, women have been in battle in U.S. history even before we were a country. Uh, there were women who fought in the French and Indian War, which in Europe they call the Seven Years' War. So women have been involved throughout our history in the fight. And your number two is a very well-known woman. Yes, it is. And again, uh, since this was during the Civil War, she's not officially considered on active duty, although she did a lot more than many of the men who are on active duty. And that's, of course, Harriet Tubman, who was born into slavery. And as somebody who navigated people through the Underground Railroad, she developed exceedingly good um, scouting skills. In fact, uh, if she was doing today what she did in the Civil War, she'd be a Navy SEAL. She also uh, was a spy and a, a nurse, so she she had many qualities. And uh, she, I wish they had awarded her a Medal of Honor. Um, she's one I would recommend for that. She worked for the Army of the North, of course, uh, throughout the Civil War in a number of capacities. And she was invaluable on bringing back intelligence of what was going on in the South, where she knew all the highways and byways from her uh, time on the Underground Railroad. And I I read somewhere that she was also the first woman to lead an armed expedition during the war. That's possible. I hadn't heard that, but it's certainly possible. Um, She certainly, and she certainly did lead them. And I I wouldn't surprise me the least to hear that she was the first. Mm. And your next one. My third one is Cassay Williams, who under the name of William Cassay, uh, served as a Buffalo soldier. Now, people, the Buffalo soldiers weren't all African-American. I 
don't know if they were a battalion or a squad or a platoon, but they they were a group of all African-American soldiers that did a lot of work with the Army uh, or were in the Army in the post-Civil War as we began to go west. And Cathay Williams disguised herself as a male and served for two years uh, before she fell sick. And it was when she got sick that it was noticed, oh, well, that's uh, she's a woman. And uh, that was the end of her time in the, in the service. But two years is, is good. Mm. And there were actually quite a few women in American history who disguised themselves as men in order to serve. There, there certainly were. Uh, she's the only known woman who served as a Buffalo soldier. There may have been others that somehow managed to keep their disguise, but she's the only one that we know actually was a woman. Mm. And your next one brings us up to World War II. Yes, and that is Colonel Ruby Bradley. She was uh, the senior nurse on, in the Philippines at the time the Japanese invaded. She survived the Baton Death March and then spent uh, three years as a Japanese prisoner of war in the Philippines uh, and was the, the leader of all the women nurses. There were 80-some of them that were captured uh, in Philippines and many people don't know that there was a, a party like that, a large party of, of women nurses, mostly Army and some Navy nurses, who were captured by the Japanese and spent time in the uh, POW camps. Um, and some of them died died there. But Ruby Bradley uh, was their leader, and she is one of the most decorated women in U.S. military history. And after the... Uh, the POWs were liberated. She she remained in the army, and went back and served in the combat zone in the Korean War during uh, d- during the early fifties, and uh, was again decorated uh, for heroism there. Um, mostly, it involved uh, making sure a, a military hospital that was about to be overrun by the Chinese army, which did some fighting in Korea, and she made sure every last patient uh, of most of the wounded uh, male soldiers was evacuated before she herself left. And uh, she, she got out of there with just minutes to spare before the, the arriving troops uh, overran the place. Um, so yeah, she's uh, one that I hope we never forget about. Wow. Incredible. And, and the next one, uh, number five, she's also uh, served during world war two. She did. Uh, her name is Mary Halloran. She was known as the Little Colonel. She ended up as a colonel, and she was the first director of what came to be known as the Women's Army Corps. Um, she was less than five feet tall. Uh, most people don't realize that after World War II ended, there were a lot of people, both in the military and in Congress, that thought it was time for every woman who had served during World War II to get out of the military and just go home. Mm. Uh, and Colonel Halloran, as well as people like General Eisenhower, General Marshall, and some of the Navy people, thought it would be best to keep a cadre of women on active duty, uh, which, other than the nurses, had never been done before in the U.S. And this was because it was 1947 48, uh, the Soviet Union was beginning to expand into Eastern Europe and countries were falling behind the Iron Curtain. And it was felt that we might be back at war sooner than we had ever saw. So Congress passed a bill called the Women's Armed Services Integration Act, or maybe it was the Women's Armed Forces Integration Act, 
1948, which allowed a small cadre of women to remain on active duty. And Colonel Halloran, uh, if you go back and read the uh, congressional record, you'll see her going back and forth with the members of Congress uh, on both the Senate and the House side as they actually wrote the legislation. That's how it used to be done in the in the old days uh, before it got into the kabuki sort of hearings we uh, have now. And when you look at that legislation, it seems quaint, but it was revolutionary for its time. And Colonel Halloran um, gets most of the credit for it. Amazing. Um, and it says here that this legislation was pretty much the first step for women to really become uh, involved um, later with ground combat officially. Yes. Uh, the way I view it is starting in 1948 with, with that legislation, which allowed women officers and enlisted women to be part of the regular peacetime armed forces was the first step in a journey that's taken getting on, well, 70 years this year to the point where women are now entering ground combat units where everything is open to them. It's been one long continuous journey with a lot of, a lot of male and female heroes in it. And we all stand, no matter when we came into the military, we all stand on the shoulders of people, uh, those who served in earlier wars, Colonel Halloran, and right up to the present day. And your your next military woman, she has really, um, looks like, influenced how women serve even up to today. She really made some milestones. Yes. This is G- Major General Jean Holm. Again, she joined what was then the Army Air Corps and later evolved into the Air Force during World War II uh, as an enlisted woman, became an officer. And she eventually rose in the 70s to become director of the women in the Air Force. The women were still run by a uh, somebody who was considered their head person in those days. And it was Jean Holm as, as the... Um, Error of this is the time when we're looking at ERA, uh, who began to bring a lot of that into the military. Uh, there were the Navy and the Army also had women directors at the time, but they were more old-fashioned and were afraid of rocking the boat by insisting that that some of the changes that Jean led uh, ought to be made. Among them in the 70s was the opening of RTC, both uh, Navy and Army and Air Force or ROTC units to women. Um, the ability for women to stay on active duty after they got pregnant or, or even married somebody who had a child from a previous marriage who spent more than 30 days with the family. She um, made the, what turned out to be the winning argument with some uh, fence-sitting Congress people that opened the service academies to women. And what she did was she, the argument used to be, we can't send women to the academies because that's where combat leaders come from. Well, she got the statistics back over years uh, to prove that an awful lot of the male graduates who got out of the academies, particularly the Air Force Academy, never, ever went near a combat job. Mm. They were in MOSs that were open to women. And that was one of the key arguments that, that pushed a few remaining votes needed to make that big uh, change. And she was involved in many, many other things. Uh, You know, they're not the sort of thing you get um, a military 
combat decoration for, but it was combat in its own way. Because the 70s is the decade in which women went from being seen as auxiliaries to the men. In other words, the men get all the pickings, and the women, you can have the military jobs that are left into, particularly with the opening of the service academies, to full and equal members of the of the military in their own right. Uh, and Jean Holm led that. After she retired, she wrote what is still one of the best books in the history of women in the military, which is called uh, Women in the Military, an Unfinished Revolution. So not only did she lead the revolution, she became the historian of it uh, after she retired. Huge, huge changes yeah. for women in, in their ability to serve. Um, yeah, uh, another big change, and this one uh, was led by, um, again, uh, an Air Force woman. It was a Supreme Court case called Frontier versus Richardson, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg happened to be Frontier's lawyer for this and did the arguing in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, when women were allowed to remain on active duty, they could not get dependent benefits for their husbands unless they could prove the husband was 50% dependent on the wife for his support, and that dependence could not result from unemployment. It had to be something like he was a wounded veteran and couldn't work, not that he didn't work. And that Supreme Court case uh, equalized when we won it, and it was it equalized um, the dependent benefits for both men and women so that everybody's spouse or, and everybody's children were equal, were able to have those benefits like commissary cards and health care and those sorts of things. Mm. In the 50s and 60s, women's husbands did not get them and their children didn't get them because the minute a child entered the picture, they were bounced out. Wow. It's incredible how so, military women were, were really making changes all the way up to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. Yes, they were. And uh, that's why I say this was a 70-year journey. You know, a lot, most of us came in somewhere along that route, be it in the 50s, the 60s, the 80s, uh, the, the 80s, uh, you know, or just in the past 10 years. But there were changes going on at every point along the way. And I don't want some of the women who were involved in those, those changes uh, to be forgotten. It's not a new revolution. It's been going on for 70 years. Mm-hmm. And your your next uh, woman, she um, has gotten some news recently. I think she's she's been in the news. She's she's made some accomplish. Uh, she had made some accomplishments that's been getting recognition. You mean Grace Hopper? Yes, Grace Hopper. I think she, yes, there was a Grace building na- named after her recently. Yes, and there's a Navy ship named after her. Yes, <laughs> USS Grace Hopper. Grace Hopper again came into the into the military during World War II, and she was a one of the pioneering geniuses in the whole computer age, uh, particularly um, with respect to some of the early computer programming languages like Fortran. Um, If she had been a male, she would have been an admiral a whole long time sooner, but they uh, were only allowed to have one woman admiral at a time in the Navy. uh, Well, two actually, one nurse corps and one who happened to be uh, a line officer. And, uh, so Grace Hopper just never got her promotion uh, until she was in her 70s. Wow. When they finally began to allow more than one woman at a time to be a, a line admiral. She also taught generations of Navy, uh, what we would now call cyber warriors, the basics of computer stuff. She was one of the main developers and um, uh, teachers of generations of Navy uh, cyber warfare people. 
even though we didn't call them cyber warfare people at the time. Mm. And uh, as I said, she uh, she's one of the few women who have served in the military who have a ship named after them. And she's uh, buried over in Arlington Cemetery. If anybody's over there and, and would like to see some of the, the graves of some of these pioneering women. So is Jean Holm. So is Ruby Bradley. Yes, go visit them. Tour and, yeah, you could take a whole tour of the cemetery to, and, and pay your tribute to them. Our next woman, she, she brings us up to Vietnam, too. Yes, the next one uh, is a Vietnam veteran, Colonel Mar- Margareta Kammermeyer. Uh, known as Greta to most of her friends, I believe. She was an army nurse who served in the Vietnam in Vietnam during the Vietnam War and uh, has a bronze star for her service there. After she got out, um, she was in the Washington National Guard, I believe it was, for years as a, as a nurse. And um, as a colonel in the Guard, she was selected to go to um, one of the war colleges, I believe, And when she was going through background investigation, she told the truth that she was uh, gay and was bounced out. But she became one of the premier leaders over the past, well, more than 20 years in in the opening of the military to uh, LGBT personnel. Uh, We'll see about the T. I guess we don't know that for sure yet, but the LGBT community certainly owes her, and they know they do, uh, a great deal of thanks for her bravery and her, her the sacrifice of her career to, to um, fight for them. Mm. And I, I did a little bit of research, too, and I saw that um, her story was actually told in a movie called Serving in Silence with uh, yes. Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Yes. Glenn Close plays her there, exactly. And I, I know that uh, I'm sure it's available on DVD or you could probably stream it from somewhere uh, and, and see that. This is the perfect month to do it, Women's History Month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, the next uh, woman is a little bit more recent. Yes, that would be uh, Sergeant Leanne Hester, who was uh, one of two women who have been awarded a Silver Star for um, their service in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, Sergeant Hester, um, who is now a civilian, um, I believe she was a vehicle commander with the uh, 617th Military Police Company. Uh, and they came uh, under, uh, they were ambushed uh, while they were convoy, doing convoy operations. She she defended her troops and, and uh, led them, and uh, her bravery was recommended, was honored with a Silver Star, which is a very rare right. award for a woman to have. Mm-hmm. There may have been a couple uh, given during World War II to Army nurses. Yeah, and there was a second one uh, also who got it, whose name escapes me now. But only two women have been awarded that since World War II, mm-hmm. and Sergeant Hester is one of them. The next one was also uh, she served during Operation Iraqi Freedom. Looks like early on in yes. the war. This was yes, this was Private Lorianne Piesnoa, who's got uh, a hilltop in um, Arizona named after uh, in the Phoenix area. She's uh, a Native American, from the Hopi tribe. Uh, and she was the first Amer- Native American woman to die in combat on foreign soil very early on in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And she was in the uh, 507th Motor Company along with um, uh, Shoshana Johnson, who was a POW, and uh, Jessica Lynch. Jessica Lynch, who was also a POW. Uh, Shoshana and Jessica survived 
Lori was uh, killed in action. And I, we need to remember she was the first Native American woman killed in combat for this country. Yes, it's very important to, to remember her memory. And Plus her, you know, her service while she was alive also. I mean, she was over there when most of us were home in, in our warm beds. Right. The next woman, um, she has also um, achieved the rank of admiral. Uh, yes, full admiral. Uh, Rear Admiral Hopper was a one-star admiral. Michelle Howard made four stars. She was the first woman in the Navy to make uh, uh, to be a four-star admiral. She is uh, an African American. Uh, was in one of the early classes at the uh, Naval Academy. Graduated from there and became a surface warfare officer. She was the first African American woman to uh, command a Navy ship. And she was also uh, a commander of one of the task forces out uh, with, with the Somali pirates. Uh, the movie with, um, I think it was Tom Hanks, uh, who played the guy who was captured by the pilot raid. She led the task force that rescued him and later on went on to become the vice chief of naval operations, which is the second highest job in the Navy. And uh, she just finished up in the past few months serving as Commander Naval Forces Europe and has just very recently retired from the Navy. Uh, she's another one that we all all ought to be aware of. Definitely. Wow. You have really taught me a lot about some of the women over over the decades, over the years, um, who've really made history, um, American history. Um, Lori, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me about them. Well, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to because I'm uh, one of the uh, um, evangelical in the sense of wanting these women to be remembered, uh, wanting their contributions to continue to be recognized by the women who have served and the women who are serving and the women who will serve in the future. That was Lori Manning with the Service Women's Action Network. I'm Caitlin Kenny. Check out more of our reporting on women veterans at ConnectingVets.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.